Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. Christ Walk, how's everybody doing today? Five dysfunctions of a family. I am so excited to kick this off today on Mother's Day and for the next five weeks. We're going to be talking about some of the pitfalls, some of the challenges that take families by storm and what the Bible says about what we can do to overcome them. And I'm just so excited that you guys are here today to celebrate Mother's Day with us. And I would be remiss to go any further before, um, uh, before I said something about my beautiful wife, who is not only my partner in crime and ministry, but is also the best mother that a kid could ever have. Isn't that right, Luke? It's your time to score some brownie points. Come on, keep up with me, son. Keep up with me. Um, Thank you so much for um, all you do for me and for our family, for the way that you love me and love our kids. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. Um, So, yeah, that's right. You can clap. That's that's okay. That's okay. I got to use this platform, you know, to to do a little something-something, you know. Um... I don't know why that was so funny. Uh, If you got your Bible, (laughs) turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Did he really just say Deuteronomy, really? Yes, I did. Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament, the last book in the Torah, the law. Um, We're going to turn there or swipe there to chapter 6. We're going to land there in just a moment. So turn with me, swipe with me, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to be reading verses 4 through 9 is where we will eventually land for today. All right, so we're kicking off this series, um, Five Dysfunctions of a Family. And today uh, we are talking about, um, each week we're going to talk about something that the dysfunctional family lacks And today we're talking about the fact that dysfunctional families lack discipline. They lack discipleship, um, if you will. And so uh, I can remember um, a little bit over 12 years ago when we, Sarah and I, we brought our first baby, a bouncing baby boy, Luke. We brought him home from the hospital. And I can remember very vividly, um, you know, there were several days after we got him home from the hospital that, that we still had extended family around. And, you know, they were doing all the taking care of and the doting and fixing the bottles and, you know, taking care of all the stuff. And, and um, I was off of work and, and Sarah was on maternity leave. And so we were just hanging out, chilling, you know, enjoying ourselves. And I remember then that, that, that family, after a few days, that family had to leave to go back home to get back to their jobs and, and everything. And so I remember that first night... It was like the quietest night ever. Um, we, had, we had gotten Luke to bed, and, and, and he was sleeping. Um, he was on like a four-hour sleep schedule, so maybe it wasn't the quietest night ever. It was the quietest few hours ever. But I remember laying there in bed that night after the first time that that, that family had left, and it was just me and Sarah and our brand-new baby, and it hit me. i got to raise this kid, <laughs> Like, what am I going to do? Like, I've only got 936 weeks until he graduates from high school. Like, and some of you just threw up in your mouth a little bit when I said that because you realize, like, how quickly it goes by. And, and it's resting on me and his mama to be sure that he turns out okay, right? And, like, isn't that, like, what every parent dreams about? You know, every parent's dream is like, Lord, help me not to raise an idiot. 
You know, like that's just, I mean, at the end of the day, like that's, that's where we're at. Like just help us not to raise an idiot. You know, I, I've, never, I've never met any parents that bring a child into the world and they're thinking, you know, I hope that we are totally inept at raising this child. Like, nobody ever says that, or they never look at this brand new baby, you know, infant, like, just a few days old. They never hold it and say, I hope you grow up to be a disappointment. Like, nobody ever says that. We, we want something better for ourselves. We want something better for our children. But when it comes down to it, like, there's just not an instruction manual. You know, there's not like a, there's not a compartment on their back that you unscrew and replace the batteries and everything. It, it just doesn't work that way. And when you, when you bring this child home and it's just, it's, it's you and your wife and this kid and what do you do? What do you do? And there's all these theories. There's, there's all these things. That, and everybody, they'll, they'll give you advice, some of it that you ask for and a lot of it that you don't. And they want to tell you exactly what you need to do in order to achieve this desired outcome. And when it comes down to it, the, the way that you go about getting the desired result is something that is incredibly controversial. Because it boils down to this word called discipline. All right? And I say the word discipline, and some of you, your stomach churns a little bit. You know, you say, you say discipline, and you start to think of, of maybe some negative things. All right? So we say discipline, and we think of, immediately, we think of punishment. We think of punishment. And I, I didn't realize the need for stronger discipline any more than I did in my nine years of being a children's pastor. You know, I would have parents come to me all the time. Sarah and I would. We would have parents come to me. Well, you know, like, and, 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 and we would talk to them about, like, what their kids were struggling with. Or, you know, we had, this, we had this behavior issue in kids' church today and on and on. And they would start to tell us what their kids needed. I'd be like, no, I think I know what your kid needs. <laughs> and they'd be like, we don't believe in spanking our children. I'd be like, I can tell. But that's not the point. That's not the part of discipline that I want to focus on today. I want to focus on this aspect of discipline from where we get the word disciple. Because it's not, discipline is not just punishment, it's also a training regimen. It's something that you put yourself through in order to achieve a desired result. And here's the deal if you are a Christian parent, then the goal should be for your kids to be a disciple of Jesus, all right? If you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian parent and you're here today, thanks for coming. We're glad you're here. You're off the hook, all right? You don't have to live in accordance to what this word says because you don't believe in it anyway, so that's okay. But if you are a Christian parent, then the goal for you to arrive at is that you need to raise a godly disciple of Jesus Christ in your home. That's what your children should turn out to be. The goal is not for your children to get straight A's. The goal is not for your child's room to be spotless and clean all the time. The goal is not for your child to make the all-star team. The goal is not for your kid to get a full scholarship to that Ivy League college so that they can get a really good job as a lawyer or a doctor and support you in the lifestyle to which you become accustomed. That is not the goal. Even though all of those things are very good things, and we want those things for our children... That is not the goal. The goal 
is for your children to be a disciple, a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. The way that we get there is through daily discipline in our families, in our homes, and of our children. Because daily discipline leads to a lifetime of discipleship. Daily discipline, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Daily discipline leads to a lifetime of discipleship. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Daily discipline leads to a lifetime of discipleship. And I know what you're saying, like, that's great and all, but how do we do that? Because like I said, there's not an instruction manual. But actually, there is. Deuteronomy 6, starting with verse 4. My translation reads this way. Listen, people of Israel. The Lord our God is the only Lord. Isn't that what we want our kids to know? There's only one God. That's what we believe here at Christ Walk. There is only one God. There is only one God that you should serve. One God and one God alone, and that is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the Bible, who sent his son Jesus Christ. That is who we want our kids to know and to have a relationship. Listen, people of Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. As a parent, that's what I want for my kids more than anything. I want them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength. With every fiber of their being, that is what I desire for them. Verse 6, this is Moses writing to the people of Israel. Always remember these commands I give you today. He's writing to the people of Israel on behalf of God. Always remember these commands I give you today. Verse 7, teach them to your children and talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them down and tie them to your hands as a sign. Tie them on your forehead to remind you and write them on your doors and gates. All right, so let's talk about that last section there for just a minute. Write them down and tie them on your hands and your forehead as a sign. Write them down and place them on your doors and your gates. Over the years, the Jews, they've actually taken this to be a literal thing. And there's these two really fun words that I'm going to get to talk about today. One of them is called the mezuzah. Everybody say mezuzah. Isn't that a fun word? It sounds like a really sporty vehicle, like, you know, alloy wheels. I don't know, mezuzah. I don't know, it sounds cool to me. Um, But the mezuzah, it's this little container, it's this little box. And so the Jews, they'll actually write these scriptures, the ones that we've just read, and others from the law, and they will will write them on these little scrolls, and they'll they'll roll them up, and they they stuff them in the box. And, And the mezuzah is something that's actually placed on the doorpost to the entryway into the home or out on the gate that would be like through the fence that would be the entryway onto the property. 
And then there's this other word called phylactery. All right, phylactery sounds like a very terrible disease. You know, I came down with a case of the phylactery. The phylactery is, is it's twofold. It's, it's these, these leather pouches connect to, connected to leather straps. And so um, one of them is wrapped around the arm and it places a leather pouch right here around the elbow into which these verses are written down on scrolls and they are, they are tucked away. And then the other one is a leather strap that goes about the head and it has a pouch right here on the forehead. And um, uh, then the same thing is written on the scrolls and that's placed in that pouch. And so they have literally taken these words of the Lord from the books of the law and the Jews. They have written them down on scrolls and literally placed them on their doors and on their gates and on their hands and on their heads. But really what I think for, for us and, and, and what this means for, for us and, and what God is trying to communicate here is that he's wanting us to keep his word at the forefront of everything. So when he says, tie these words to your hands, he's talking about in anything that you do, keep my word at the forefront. When he says, tie these things to your forehead as a sign, he's saying anything that you think about, keep my word at the forefront. When he talks about attaching them to the doorpost and to the gates, he's saying on your way out, keep my word at the forefront. On your way in, keep my word at the forefront. Teach these things to your kids that in everything they do, everything that they think about, everywhere they go, that my word needs to be foundational for their lives. This is discipleship. And if you and I want our children to live in accordance with godly biblically sound principles, then we need to keep God and his word at the forefront of everything that we do as a family. Every single thing. Because daily discipline leads to a lifetime of discipleship. Daily discipline leads to a lifetime of discipleship. And I know what you're thinking because you think such a great questions that's all fine and good, but how do we do that? I don't even know like, how to go about it. Well, this passage in Deuteronomy actually unlocks the key. It gives us the key to unlock when we are supposed to communicate the things of God and his word to our families and our children so that they become a part of everything that we do. Notice in verse 7, it says, Teach them to your children and talk about them when you sit at home. When you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, all right? When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. He's giving us the pattern of how we are supposed to initiate this and implement this into our daily lives. Because there are, I think, five. This scripture um, uh, shows us four of them. There are five Prime times for us to communicate the things of God and his word to our children and our families. The first one of those is morning time. Morning time. You can start off your day in a lot of different ways. 
But you can, all, you can start off your day in praise unto God. When you, when you wake up your kids in the morning, that's an opportunity for you to help them to start their day off on the right foot. They're getting ready for school. You're getting them off to school for the day. Lay your hands on your child and pray over them because they are headed out into a war zone. They are headed out into a school where nobody gives a rip about them and how they end up. Lay your hands on your children and pray over them that God would protect them, that God would, would help them to stand against peer pressure, that they would be protected from sickness and danger, that they would do well in their classrooms, that they would be an example to others in the way that they act and talk and think and treat other people, and that, that the Holy Spirit would fill them up and that they would shine the light and the love of Jesus Christ to the world around them. Lay your hands on your children and pray over them before they start their day, morning time. Second thing is drive time. I get the honor every week or every day of driving my daughter Avery to school. It's awesome. We hold hands. It's amazing. It's just me and her in the car, and we hold hands. There's, there's no pretense or anything. She's just loving on her daddy, and I'm loving on my daughter, and we talk about you name it. And if you've been around my daughter for more than 30 seconds, you know she's a talker. And so in that 10-minute ride to school, we talk about a lot of stuff. Well, she talks about a lot of stuff. I just sit there and smile and nod. But that gives us an opportunity to talk about the things that are going on in her life, the things that she is concerned about. You're in the car. You've got a captive audience. They can't get out. Well, I mean, I guess they could if they wanted to, but the faster you drive, the, the, you know, the more it keeps them in the vehicle. You know, Because sure, you can get out if you want to, I guess. Tuck and roll, baby, tuck and roll. You know? um, you've got a captive audience, so use that to your advantage. Talk to your kids. Whenever we leave here, Whenever we leave here today, we're going to leave the church and we're going to drive back home. My son is going to talk to me about how embarrassed he was that I talked about him in front of everybody in church. And he's going to critique my messages. He's going to say, Daddy, you should have said this and you should have done this. And why did you dance a few weeks ago? That was really embarrassing. Those are the things that he's going to say. And Avery, she's going to talk to us about the things that she learned in Kids Walk and, and about the memory verse that she learned and who she got to play with and who was in her small group and everything because we talk about the things of God during our drive time, morning time, drive time, dinner time, when you sit at home. When we sit at home, what are we doing? We're eating. You know we are. Gather around the dinner table with your family and talk to them about what's going on in their life. Ask them about their day. Ask them about what happened during the day. Ask them about the things that made them happy, the things that made them sad. Ask them about their high and their low. What was, what was your high point for today? What was your low point for the day? And then that's going to open up the opportunity for you to interject and, and inject the word of God and the principles of God's word into the lives of your kids. Morning time, drive time. Dinner time, bedtime. Man, at bedtime, tuck your babies in. Go and tuck your babies in. I don't care if they're 18. Go tuck them in. You've got 936 weeks before they graduate from high school and they're out of the house. Do not miss an opportunity to love on your kids. Lay your hands on them again and pray over them. You can do it more than once. 
It's okay. The devil wants your babies. Take them back. Lay your hands on your babies and claim them for Jesus. Pray over them every chance you get because the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. That is his M.O. He wants to take from you. You need to claim your children for the Lord. Lay your hands on them and pray over them. Pray that they would have restful sleep. Pray that they wouldn't have nightmares or bad dreams. Pray that they would wake fresh and renewed in the morning. Pray that whatever you need to pray about, they got a test the next day, that the Lord would calm their fears and, and that the, the Lord would, would re- help them to recall the things that they've studied. Pray over them like the way that you would want someone to pray over you. Pray over your babies. Morning time, drive time, dinner time, bedtime. And finally, the fifth one that this passage of Scripture doesn't include, but I think is appropriate for the world in which we live, their time. Our kids are going to face a lot of stuff. They're going to they're endure a lot of stuff. They're going to be exposed to a lot of things in school and otherwise. There's going to be crises that they are going to face when they break up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There's going to be growing pains when they enter into the realm of puberty. And you and I as parents, we need to be ready to step in in those times and open our mouth during those times and lead and guide them through those times of difficulty and crisis and growing pains in accordance with the principles of God's word. Because guess how many chances you get? One. You got one chance, 936 weeks until they graduate from high school, from birth until high school. We have to take advantage of every opportunity that we get because our time is short. And if we don't disciple our families, someone else will do it for us. Take advantage, morning time, drive time, dinner time, bedtime and their time to inject the word of God into the lives of our kids. Now, if you're here today and you've got a child that is 18 or younger, we've got this really cool resource for you. In order for you to remember these five times, we've got this magnet um, that was in your seat. I want you to take this and stick it on your refrigerator at home. And so every time you go to the fridge to pour yourself some sweet tea or a glass of milk or, you know, to make lunch for school or whatever. Remember, these are the times that I need to be talking to my kids about the things of God. And then in addition to that, there is this piece of paper. It looks right like this right here. It's got this phone on it. Um, There's an app that you can download. It's called the Parent Cue. And so whenever you download this, you can actually put in your children, um, your different children, and, and you'll select their, their birthday and everything. And it will, um, in an age-appropriate manner, it will give you weekly content to communicate the Word of God, to create discussions, to inject God's Word into the lives of your children at these different times. So every week it's going to give you content for morning time and drive time and dinner time and so on. And it's going to be based on the age that your child is, and it's going to give you some some cues 
henceforth the Parent Q app. It's going to give you some cues on some things that maybe you need to be looking for or some things that you maybe need to be considering based on the idea or, or based on the, the age and the time frame that your child finds themselves. And it's also going to remind you out of those 936 weeks how many you have left so that you don't miss a single one. Because it's so important that as parents, we take advantage of every single opportunity to make an investment for discipleship into the heart and life of our children. So I want to encourage you after the service, download this, get your kids plugged in. My kids love it. We've been using it for a few weeks now. All right. So you're going to initiate this new discipleship plan, okay? And you're going to get your kids on track, and, and, and maybe you haven't done so great in the past, but from this day forward, you're going to move forward, and you're really going to start um, making an emphasis on discipling your family and communicating the things of God in morning time and drive time and dinner time and bedtime and so on and, and everything. But then what's going to happen? I want to give you three tools that you can use in order to make this successful in your family. If you're taking notes, write these down. Three tools that you can use for discipleship to make it a success in your family. The first one of these is push through the pushback. Push through the pushback. Anytime you start something new, anytime you try to establish discipline, there is always going to be pushback. But whenever the pushback comes, that's not the time to tuck our tail and run the other way. That's the time to lean in and push through the pushback. Here, You're going to get pushback from your kids. They're not going to want to do this stuff. You're going to try to show them an app on your phone, and they're going to be like, you're so old. You know, they're not even going to push through the pushback. You're, you're going to get pushback from your calendar, all right? It, it's this inanimate object, but all of a sudden, it's going to take a life of its own, and you're going to realize, man, we don't have time to do any of these things. You're going to get, you're going to get pushback from maybe your spouse. Maybe, maybe your spouse isn't on board with you and you're wanting to disciple your kids and your spouse is like, ah, just let them go play in the street, you know, whatever. And you're going to get pushback from them. So you got to get on the same page. You're going to get pushback from other parents. Other parents are going to look at you and they're going to be like, you're doing what? You're making them eat tofu? Huh? You know, they're going to ask you all these questions and be like, don't you think it would? No, like you are the parent. You get to decide what's best for your, for your family. You get to decide how to best disciple your kids. And some of those parents that want to in, insert themselves, they might be your parents. It might be the kids' grandparents. And they might want to, want to kind of, you know, as a puppet master, teach you how to raise your children. No, you decide. You hear from the Lord. You push through the pushback and you disciple your kids the way that God is calling you to disciple your children. Because at the end of the day, the way they turn out, it's going to be on your shoulders. You take responsibility for your kids. You disciple them in the way that you know God has called you to do and push through the pushback and don't let anybody else stand in your way. Their lives are at stake. So push through the pushback. The second thing, be intentional. Be intentional. Discipling your family is not going to happen by accident. I've never met anyone that accidentally lost 25 pounds. I've never in my life come across anyone that accidentally learned to play the guitar. 
I've never met anyone that accidentally graduated with a 4.0 GPA. I've never met anyone that accidentally saved enough money for their retirement. None of those things just happen. Guess what? Discipling your kids isn't just going to happen. You're going to have to be intentional and purposeful about it. Plan your work and work your plan. You're going to have to have some conversations with your spouse about how are we going to go about this. You're going to have to maybe put in writing for some of you exactly what you're going to do so that you can stay committed to it. Establish the rules and communicate them to your kids. Create the guidelines and communicate them to your kids. Put everything into place and then begin to carry it out. And here's the kicker. You as a parent, you've got to model the things you want your children to emulate. Because if you're not living it, neither will they. This is not a do as I say, not as I do moment. This is a watch me do what I'm doing and you do the things that I'm doing. Follow me as I follow Christ. But that's not going to happen accidentally. You've got to be intentional. So push through the pushback. Be intentional. The third thing, stay the course. 936 weeks is a long time. 18 years. Stay the course. It's a marathon, not a sprint. All right. You're not going to change your family in a day. You're probably not going to change them in a week. It's going to take a long time to disciple your kids. If something isn't working, make an adjustment and move forward. If you, if you mess it up today, get back on the horse tomorrow and keep moving forward because results will come about by you doing the small, seemingly insignificant things the right way with consistency over the long term. That's what will bring about results. Let me say that again. Results will come with you doing the right things, the small, seemingly insignificant things, the right way, consistently, over the long term. Push through the pushback, be intentional, stay the course, and you will disciple your family. You will raise up a generation behind you that is a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. So what might happen if we started to live this way? For some of you that, that you, you haven't had kids yet, what might happen if, if you began to initiate these principles in your life right now to prepare for the day that you're going to have kids? For those of you that maybe you don't have children and you're not going to, what would happen if, if you started to live this way as an example for others that you're connected with that do have kids? And you could help to show them the way for, for, for those of you that have children right now. What would happen if you made these changes? How could it impact your family dynamic? How could it impact the way that you live in your home? How could it impact the, the, the success that your kids are able to have currently? What would it do to set them up for future successes? You begin to raise them based on the principles of God and his word. What could this do for not only your children, but for your children's children's children? For the legacy that you're attempting to leave. This, taking these steps and living our lives in, in accordance with, with this part of God's word. This is how generational curses get broken 
in families because a mom and a dad had the wherewithal, the gumption, the intestinal fortitude to say, I'm done. Enough is enough. I'm drawing a line in the sand. And from this day forward, I'm going to raise my kids and I'm going to disciple them the way that the Lord is calling me to do because I want something better for their future and for the future of my family. And when that happens, what could it do in this community if every single person in this room started to parent their children and, and grandparent their grandchildren in a accordance with these principles. How could it change Nassau County? What might happen if we started to live this way? If we all made this commitment a year from now, five years, 10 years, 30 years from now, generations from now, it could totally change the face of our community as we know it because some people got serious about discipling the next generation and teaching them every opportunity how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It could change the world. A few parents with a Bible in their hand and the willingness to try can change the world. Dysfunctional families lack discipline. If you want your family to be less dysfunctional, initiate some discipline because daily discipline will lead to a lifetime of discipleship. And it all starts with the relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, I, I haven't surrendered my life to Jesus. I don't consider myself to be a Christ follower. And this is something that I want for my family. This is something that, that I want for my kids. And I want it to begin with me. I, I want to set the tone for the generations that are going to follow after me. It's very simple. In fact, it's as simple as ABC. Admit, believe, and choose. We admit that we're sinners in need of salvation. We believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he was, that he was God's son sent to this earth to die in our place, and that three days later, he arose from the grave, defeating death and hell in the process. And then C, choose. We choose to surrender our lives to Christ, to live his way forever and ever. If that's you today, then I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer along with me. If you'd like to accept Christ, to become a Christ follower, so that you can set the tone and begin to become a disciple so that you can disciple others, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Christ died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christwalk podcast. For more information about Christwalk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.